But the most important one, because I think this is the one the politicians get hung up on, is the stifling innovation thing. And I think that that's bullshit as well. And, and I think it's really important to point out that the company that came to closest to Tesla in terms of really cutting corners on, on safety practices in road testing, and even they didn't go as far as, as Tesla did, but, but came closest, was Uber. And not only did they kill someone, but they got, like, what is the benefit that Uber supposedly got out of cutting these corners? They didn't get one. And I am Kirsten Korosek, Transportation Editor at TechCrunch. And I'm Alex Roy, the Director of Special Operations at Argo AI, whom I do not represent on this show, but I'm also the founder of the Human Driving Association, which we're not going to talk about today. My kingdom for an episode of a podcast that does not discuss Tesla. Well, that's a different episode because this one's a lot about Tesla. <laughs> but first, I'd like to bring up that just last night, friends... Um, at, uh, Mont- at, at what Car Week, Pebble Beach, Monterey, uh, we're at the reveal of this new Dodge uh, electric, like Banshee muscle car because they announced that you know they're going to discontinue the Charger and the Challenger. This thing looks awesome, awesome. Uh, is that going to be your next car? Who- is that going to be your next car? No. That's all we. Why? No, no, it's not. Charging networks, my friend. Um, charging networks, but. You know something? I am more optimistic than ever about the future of electric vehicles because we're starting to see things that really are, they're like what you'd imagine a, a muscle car should be if internal combustion had never happened. That's what you'd want it to look like this, and this is what it is. It's really cool. I'm excited. What I about, just wish what about before, we, before we move on to Tesla, though, since we're talking about the yeah. Dodge Charger EV concept, it's actually, I believe, yeah. the Dodge Charger Daytona, Daytona. SRT concept which is where's it's not called a banshee what where that well no the banshee is the that's the propulsion system because every Uh, propulsion system by dodge has to have a name um but the daytona is a nod to you know the 200 mile an hour track run you know at daytona back in the 70s or whatever so my only question is like the styling looks very cool um I like a lot about it. I don't know it, who will buy this, if it will be for like current Dodge Charger owners or if it'll be a whole new group. But what do you think about the fact that they are recreated in an exhaust sound that is just as loud as a Hellica- as a Hellcat? Uh, I think it's, well, A, um, I think it's very cool. B, it'll probably not be allowed or legal in many places because you're starting to see like, uh, like tickets issued based on noise. C, uh, I drove a Rimic years ago, like a, a one of the, I forget the first, the, whatever the first Rimic was. And, and that was, I think, maybe the first electric hypercar, like yeah. money, cost of object, best you can do. And that thing did not have fake sound. However, there was noise. You could hear all four motors spooling up. It, there was a lot more drivetrain noise than you'd find in any Tesla. And it sounded awesome. And people forget. That you know, with uh, a different noise floor and uh, a little less uh, sound dampening, uh, EVs make noise, and it's really cool, and it's totally different. And because it's linear, it actually gives you probably a, a better sense of what's happening, like what's under your control. Uh, I, I think future generations are going to look back and say, "Wow, internal combustion noise was really cool, but it was like the sound of like a horse gallop." Um, and, uh, I'm not a fan of the horse car analogy, like one cancel the other, but I am very much a fan of the notion of human driving, especially at speed in cars, a lot of power should be take, you know, should be something taken very seriously uh, and responsibly. And part of that is knowing what the car is doing. And the best way to know what the car is doing is to simplify the sound, not remove it, simplify it. So you can hear how much power you're putting down. You can hear the tires, you can hear other things. Um, it's why. Race car drivers don't listen to music. And Formula One racers don't have music piped in the car. Uh, and so I think the future of human driving is going to be greatly improved by electric vehicles that eventually do not have fake noise, but let the actual noise of what the car is doing be the only noise. I don't think we're there yet. I think we're a generation uh, is, is required or more to require to get us there. I could be completely wrong because I have, I have my own counter thesis. And that is in the future, legacy brands, which 
for many years ignored Tesla and other EV startups, electricity brands will come to appreciate that they have something in their possession that new brands don't have. They have a legacy of amazing internal combustion cars, each with unique character and different sounds and handling characteristics that were often unique to the manufacturer. Porsche with rear engine vehicles, um, you know, Ferrari and um, Porsche had very distinct different engine sounds. You could, you could recognize them at a race before they come around the corner. Now, in the future, I'm pretty sure I'm giving away a startup idea, but you can hire me if you want to build this. Um, you're going to have a database in your new Ford Mustang, your new 911 of every 911 ever made, all the, all the sound, all the handling characteristics, everything. And you'll probably subscribe to a service uh, from Porsche, which replicates the handling and sound and feel in a synthetic clutch and fake gearbox of, of every Porsche 911 ever made. And that'll be part of the fun, like DLC for games. And Ford's going to do that, and Porsche, everyone's going to do that. And brands that don't have that are going to have to create something else. Maybe that's where the fake engine sounds will actually create value, as opposed to mimic something which um, is gone. That's my rant. Uh, I'm very excited about this. I hope, and I just tweeted this before we started recording, I hope that OEMs and tech startups will innovate human-driven vehicles such that driver education and driver assistance scales to match the increase of performance and horsepower. And that is um, both a uh, sales opportunity um, and will make the world a better place. So, Wow. Thank you for that, Alex. A lot there. Yeah. So I, I would just say, I mean, the Great. only thing I really have to add to that is, I mean, it's, you know, it is, it, you've, you've touched on a lot of like really exciting things about EVs. Honestly, though, for me, and, and and maybe this is just me because I'm a, a joyless uh, person, but I, I feel like you are you at are. this point, I am. I mean, this is many, many people are saying this um, uh, at this point in, in the history of EVs. To me, things like Fiat Chrysler or whatever, I mean, just anyone making a small volume, high end enthusiast EV. It's not not cool. Like it's cool. And, and I think it's it's especially given you know, the Charger and the Challenger's brand and, and whatever, like it's, it is trying to make EVs appealing to a, a, a demographic that probably are a little resistant to it, whatever. There's some, maybe some value there, but like, I feel like we're at the point now where, you know, we have all these premium EVs um, in, in this, in this market, but like the average transaction price for an EV is, is $66,000, which is basically the, the average transaction price for, for a luxury car in, in this country. Um, and like, that's we're we're kind of stuck there, and to me, like to be really bullish on EVs in a in a broad way, um, I need to see progress on things that aren't expensive, premium, low volume EVs for rich people. Like again, not to knock those things; those are great. And if you're a wealthy person and and you like the cool new EVs that are being built for you, great, good for you. But but not only do we need to see that progress, but also the people who are into EVs and and like these kinds of premium EVs. Again, be into them, be excited about them. That's fine. Just like being into any other, but like, don't fool yourself into thinking that the, that premium EVs are actually making, like accelerating at, at this point, like the, the widespread adoption of EVs. I, I don't think that that causal link is there anymore. And I think that people who enjoy EVs need to just enjoy EVs and, 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 and lose this, this delusional like marketing aspect of it because it's not doing anyone any favors. So like, like, I think we just need to separate these things out, like being excited about cool, expensive EVs and like what sort of driving broad base EV adoption is. There's some relation, but they're not the same thing. And we need to start untangling them. That's my rant. So, so just to jump on that piece, I think when we stop seeing that the majority of EV owners, it's not their third car and it's their primary car and their only car. And that's connected to price, right? Um, it's also connected to EV infrastructure, um, you know, for people living in apartments, like all these other access issues, but price point is a big one. That's when we'll start seeing like them everywhere. But I will say that the Dodge Charger, I mean, you see Dodge Chargers and Dodge Challengers absolutely everywhere. Like I do. I know they are in some ways niche, but I see them everywhere. And if if the price point of this is below that sixty six thousand dollars, you know, yeah, is it is it going to be like 
you know, the Nissan Leaf? No, but I could see it being picked up by a different group of people, which is sure. good. But- but 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 to your point, the reason the charge you see the charger everywhere is because it's cheap. I mean, it's a yeah. 1995 Mercedes E Class that that Chrysler has like <laughs> slowly and steadily refined, and so you can get like a big, comfortable, like full size sedan. Well, they're discontinuing it with like a lot of power and rear wheel drive in this American mode for very very little money. Uh, it's not the most efficient thing, you know. It's not as refined as other you know front wheel drive sedans, whatever. But like, it's cheap. And it offers something sort of unique about it, but like that's why you see a lot of them. It's not so. So and you're upset cool, because you're upset because the the cool EVs aren't cheap. That's what you're. Upset no, about. I'm a, I'm upset because because people are only making cool EVs, and because people are confusing that or conflating that with progress on broad broad based adoption. And again, like I said, if you just like cool EVs and and that's like that's fine. That is what it is, and that's fine. Um, it's like. Because people don't people don't say if I buy a 911, right? That helps Porsche's business model offer a Boxster to lower like to 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 people with less money. Like like there may be some level of truth to that, but like it's a bullshit reason to buy a car, and it's really just something you're telling yourself after you've decided I want this cool thing for myself, right? It's delusional. And again, when, it's, when you're talking about something as important as electrifying the fleet and reducing carbon emissions from transportation, like deluding yourself about go that. Buy, isn't go, cool go, or buy cute anyway, I, that yes, agree, agree, buy a bicycle. Anyway. Yes, absolutely buy a bicycle. Yeah, go buy, buy, buy a bicycle. Buy a and by the way, like EVs, uh, you know, include like e-bikes and, and things like that. And and electrification. Uh, anyway, I've got a couple pieces coming out about electrification the next week or two. So I, I think I that you're appropriately, that. <laughs> yeah, I think that That's you're appropriately both ranty enough for us to dive in, uh, 10 minutes into this podcast episode that was supposed to focus on Tesla. The funny thing is, is usually it's the opposite problem where like, you just keep bringing up Tesla and we like, can't talk about the other thing, but now we're having a reverse problem. No, but I think but, we're talking about Tesla in the sense that I think Tesla has injected this idea into, right. That you buy the expensive Tesla. They've been making this pitch since, since 2006 that you buy the expensive Tesla and it'll, it'll drive cheaper Teslas. Guess what? Average transaction price for an EV, $66,000 uh, for, for a, for a luxury car. It's like a little bit, I think it's, it's right around that. Tesla is more than that. Tesla is the average transaction price for Tesla is above the average transaction price for an EV, which is above the average transaction price for a luxury car. And so like the idea that te- that Tesla is materially driving that buying those expensive Teslas made any difference in in the affordability the availability of affordable AVs was a delusion. And that's what I'm saying. We have a 10 years, we ran this experiment for 10 years. We can come to a conclusion. We have the data. It's bullshit marketing, and we need to move past it. And so we are talking about Tesla, but we have other Tesla-related things, and the ranting <laughs> engines are running. So let's get into yeah, it. Yeah, they are. They are running as hot as a Hellcat right now. Yeah. Um, all right. So we have like kind of a bunch of Tesla stuff to talk about, all related really to um, not necessarily the standard advanced driver assistance system autopilot, but the upgraded optional $12,000, I think it's still $12,000 upgrade FSD beta. So um, Ed or Alex, which area do you want to start off first? Because there's three big ones. I mean, I have a request. Can Please. you keep Please. your statements in, uh, can you package your statements in like one to two no, minute Alex, I can't. So we can I can't. I mean, can you talk about okay. level four, like like companies in the level four space and, and, and why some are good and why some are bad? You can't. I mean, you know, we all have limitations as well, people. There are some things we can do okay. and there's some things we can't do. And, okay. and like as friends, we take the good and we, we, we accept that there are some things that we don't love that we can't change about each other, right? This is, this is how friendship works. Yeah. Okay. So I'll referee this one. Um, let's stick, let's kick it off with, um, a lot of action around some sort of high profile-ish people coming out, um, in public and sort of against or cautioning, warning and calling for federal action around Tesla's FSD software beta, um, or beta software, sorry. And, um, Ralph Nader is one of them and Dan O'Dowd is another one. 
Ed, can you just very quickly just give us the background on that so we can launch into discussion? So, I mean, Dan O'Dowd, you know, it's an interesting situation. He's, I guess, running for Senate or something. And so he's kind of got this political campaign, but he's also had this like PR campaign attacking full self-driving and Tesla. He also has a company that works in sort of the driving automation software, ADAS software kind of space. So um, there's sort of a lot of things going on with him. And I, I don't really, I think that's part of the the issue that I've I've had with with what he's doing. But but the other part is that he's really focused on just on FSD beta, which I'm not sure is the where I would necessarily focus um, if I was concerned about safety uh, and what Tesla is doing. Uh, but but also like he doesn't really talk about the about the the human factors part of it, which to me is where not only where the, the real safety issues are, but also where I think NHTSA is most likely to act. Um, so that's like the short version. Um, and and right. when he, he, he put money into making an ad that, that shows sort of some testing and, and it failing at a, some testing. And, and I guess they're running this as a as a as a nationwide ad campaign. And that nationwide ad campaign spurred a lot of controversy because you can poke some holes into that ad campaign, correct? So that is kind of in a blowback back on him, and he kind of went on the defense, um, which to me, my biggest issue with this whole problem is it's such a wasted opportunity to talk about the real issues around advanced driver assistance systems the um the human factor in how they are used and engaged disengaged and not just tesla but like what's happening in the whole industry tesla being one of the primary um focal points of course but it's not just them so it it just seems like it was a big wasted effort unfortunately alex i don't know if you felt the same way but it to me i felt like the progress, any progress that had been made talking about this, we kind of like took two steps back because you could poke holes into that ad campaign. I, I will do what Ed is declined to do and keep my comments short. Okay. Uh, in order to counteract the legion of um, fools and bad actors who are, will defend Tesla at any, at any cost, any price, however, mis- lacking in logic, we need critics that are in good faith, do the work in order to pick apart what's actually happening. It's not entirely apparent to me that um, the quote-unquote test and, you know, that the Dan O'Dowd put together uh, was used a reasonable methodology. It's also uh, not clear to me, like, if he understands what it is exactly he's critiquing. Because to say that we, to, to suggest that a vehicle in FSD can will not see children, and then and 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 then will will hit one, uh, is different from saying that Tesla autopilot is doing so, and it's different from saying AEB doesn't work. These are all different things, and by conflating them, and conflating them poorly, you can conflate things very clearly, but you also conflate them quite poorly. It muddies the waters. It makes it harder for regulators to understand what to look at and how to regulate. And it also it opens up a universe of you know a, an enormous attack service for the Tesla fans who are generally not good actors. And that's why I kind of try to ignore this O'Dowd Tesla stan, you know, spec. That wasn't short, but it was uh, covered a lot of bases. Um, Ed, you and I have talked about this a little bit um, as well, but sort of the doing the work that Alex talked about, which is one of my biggest issues with ADAS and automated vehicle technology debates all across the board, which is we'll make progress. It's like, all right, I see some examples out there in the media world or people talking about this. Great. And then I'll see a company automaker CEO or an activist use words interchangeably that immediately cause confusion. And all of a sudden it's first of all, easy to attack. Um, it discredits any other clarity that had happened or work that had happened to push for safety. And then, like Alex says, it muddies the waters. Is that kind of like where you see the biggest issues with this? Or is there another point with the Dan O'Dowd stuff? Yeah. So I think, I think you know, t- Tesla's, you know, work in, in, in driving automation, its approach to driving automation um, and, and driver assistance has sort of had two distinct harms. One of them is... 
you know, the safety issues themselves, right? Um, and, and which are complex and, and, and difficult to understand. And obviously a lot of people don't want to understand them for a bunch of reasons. The other one though, is that, is that he's really damaged. Uh, and this might in some ways be more important over the long run. He's really damaged the way we talk about, about driver assistance and, 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 and driving automation technology in, in a bunch of different ways. Right. And, um, and I think one of them is just that it's it's just a very reductive mode, and 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 he sort of frames things in certain ways that then people, even his strongest critics, sort of take his framings like 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 concede the framing and fight him on the on the basis that he sort of laid out, which I think is a huge mistake. I think anytime if you if you disagree with with Musk or want to criticize him, you have to think as much about the framing as the specific arguments that he's that he's making. And and I think one of the 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 problems I have here is that yes, a he the the, the Dan O'Dowd campaign. It doesn't really help people understand what's going on better, right? It doesn't really help on the discourse side. It sort of engages on a very similar similar level to Musk. And I get that to reach a broad audience and to do a national ad campaign, maybe on some level you have to dumb you do have to dumb things down clearly, right? But I think that um, glossing over important distinctions that Alex was referring to of you know what are the what systems are we talking about here? Uh, what aspects of the system is a problem, right? Because to me, like these tests and the tests that Luminar do like have done these demos are not tests they're demos um which a like label them as such don't call a demo a test right and if you're going to do a test really do a test and do it scientifically um uh, but also like you know those indicate that there are general weaknesses with tesla's perception hardware and i think like if you make it about that then you can talk about multiple systems and talk about how sort of that's a building block that if you don't get that one right then all of these other systems doesn't matter how good the software is right and you can do it that way but again the, the, the human factors are really where the immediate safety issues, it's also a really important piece to get into the discourse. And, and as you allude to, I think like there are a lot of people and like, I think of like, for me, the biggest example, the person who's done most on, on a lot of these issues, I think to me is, is Liza Dixon and, and her Atana washing work and, and other things that she's done uh, to, to highlight the human factors. And like, he clearly hasn't spoken to her and like, I don't see how, it, and, and like, I'm so glad that he wants to spend money. And, and I just hope that other people who do want to spend money to raise awareness about these issues, which are super important and a really good use of those resources, talk to people like Eliza Dixon, talk to people like Alex Roy, like, like us, you know, um, um, you're, you're, you're a little extra spicy. Yeah. Um, it is very difficult in any controversial issue to boil it down into a, whatever, a 90 second ad or whatever it's going to be. And so you have some decisions to make that starts with the foundation of knowing what you're talking about. And then deciding whether you're going to do the breadcrumb approach or what I like to call like back in journalism days, like the Watergate approach, which wasn't one big story. It was actually little stories along the way that allowed us to understand the context and how big this was. Or you just skip the ad and, and go for a holistic approach that really drills down and you do it in a podcast format or a docu-series or something longer. And granted, people don't have the attention span sometimes for that, but it is necessary. So you kind of have to decide which way you're going to go about it. And unfortunately, in this scenario, there wasn't enough of the foundation laid. And it was very sensationalized. And it was it just opened the door for anyone who was in opposition to that to point to it and be like, see this clown? He doesn't know what he's talking about. And that hurts the effort more than anything. And so to me, like that's the collective issue. Like the foundation was never laid to really understand and learn, hey, this is what I know what I'm talking about. And then, you know, whatever tactic that they used, 90 second ad or whatever the length of the ad is, I can't remember now, um, is just probably not the best, but at least it could have been more informed. Yeah. And I, I want to be clear, like, I don't think anyone's figured all this out, like, especially when you talk about how to communicate all this stuff at a, at a national ad campaign level. Um, exactly. There are a lot of, so a lot of pieces. To, yeah. Yeah. I mean, then the decision has to be made is like, then how do we do that? If you're going to do a national campaign, it starts with the foundation of truth and accuracy. And then you have to decide, is it worth it to try and do a national ad campaign? And if so, maybe you take the smallest piece, not oversimplify it because that can be dangerous, but be like, just take that piece first and make it easy to understand for everyone. Did you two read uh, yesterday's story um, 
in uh, from Junko Yoshida about a- AV testing, where she talks about uh, the next to- the next topic on this thread, which is um, the Tesla stands going out and trying to do their own testing with their own kids. Tell us about it. No, I did. I did not. But tell us about it. Uh, well, uh, as apparently. Um, a, a, a number of Tesla fans decided to go out and test the Tesla automatic emergency braking or autopilot or FSD or whatever it is they think, whatever straw man the technology they wanted to use to defend it, decided to go out and get some, use their own kids. And some of them used mannequins and, and they had a, a mixed bag of results. And Junko's story, um, you know, really goes after this. Uh, I, I was so upset about it. I, I just, I, I had to turn it off and not comment because the notion of putting any child uh, on a public street in a, without, I mean, and as non-professionals and testing car safety technology is insane. And it's literally insane. It's, it's an insult to the word insane. It, it's stupid. It's irresponsible. It's immoral. And um, I, I, uh, I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. I mean, if there was any shred of decency, somebody at Tesla who who knew that that owners were testing the vehicles with live children on public streets should probably disable their FSD beta access and anything else they've got. Um, it's it, this is, I mean, there's inviting inviting very bad news, very very bad news, not just on that individual owner and their kids, but like on the company, that's. mm -mm. Yeah. So like, there's a very basic, like this isn't even anything unique to automated driving or, you know, driving automation tech or anything. Like, I think this is fundamentally, um, a, a, an issue of engineering ethics. Right. And like, Mm. and like, I think all engineers are supposed to understand and agree to like certain basic ethical codes of like not doing harm to people. And, and that's literally what's happening. Like their people are, are literally not just when they have kids come right. And they specifically, you know, get people and put them in harm's way. Yes. That's it's blatant there, but honestly, just having untrained unmanaged people, quote unquote, testing this stuff, which a, like it's not testing because it's not contributing to the development in a meaningful way. And then B, like the whole, the whole thing is being justified by this like safety advantage that has, that, that Tesla's only ever lied about, right? Like, like there's never actually been proof. And Tesla has forwarded multiple arguments saying, you know, this is the safety benefit of our, of our technology. And it's always been lies. Like, yeah, I just, I don't know how much more blatant it's mad. It, it it's maddening. Be. Uh, it's, it's maddening. The other thing is, uh, you know, the, uh, I guess head of NHTSA just left. Uh, this is an organization that uh, needs to be on point, on point. And uh, some have suggested they've not been as on point as they needed to be in the last, say, five to seven years. Uh, I am curious to see who is next to lead that organization. Um, I'd like it to be someone who has really understand the technology uh, and the difference between ADAS and AV. Uh, so I, I suggest everyone go out and read Junko's article. It's interesting. She quotes from NHTSA and uh, AAA because she went to them and asked them for statements on how they feel about these um, Tesla owners testing their safety technologies with live children on public streets. And uh, I, I let her article speak for itself. It's it's why people should pay for quality journalism. Yeah, I agree. Definitely. Uh, it's called the uh, – uh, is it Ojo Yoshida? Uh, yeah, Ojo yes. – O-J-O – uh, Yoshida Y O S H I D A report. Uh, definitely, it, yeah. it's a little bit of a, a of an annual subscription, but definitely worth it. Some of the the best quality work uh, on this technology. Yeah, and not just on not just NAV and ADAS, but like just tech industry and and technology in general. Like it's like the information. It's it's really good. Kirsten, yeah. So I really debated whether to even tackle the whole issue in my newsletter. Because maybe I just like live too firmly in the land of logic and like being an adult and not coming up with ideas that like literally a sixth grader would, which is a bad idea. 
And I really debated whether to kind of weigh in. And and I all I really said about the issue um, was, you know, it's time for everyone to kind of put their grown up adult pants on and live in the world of logic and clearly look at this as something that you just don't do. That is silly, ridiculous, and wrong. There is no gray area here. This is black and white. It's very simple. The mistake I think I made is that I I like to default that people are like generally smart. And I keep on seeing evidence um, that is counter to that. And so perhaps <laughs> I should have perhaps I should have weighed in a little bit more firmly in it. But I really do think that the biggest issue with this is that if you're living and on Twitter and looking looking at all these examples of grown men like literally crawling on their knees in front of a vehicle in an effort to do a demo it's so ridiculous it can seem like everyone is like this and i still firmly believe that like most people in the world will look at this as ridiculous and wrong you don't put your child out as a demo you know you, this is insane and yet we keep seeing people do this so I'm kind of stuck in this weird spot where I'm like, do I need to point out, like, it's sort of like the label that you see on hair dryers. It's like, don't dry your hair in a running shower. Like, do I need to really weigh in on this? And I guess I do, you know? I mean, I think, I think people do, everyone needs to weigh in on it. And the reason that's the case is because, as Alex alluded to, the leadership, the political leadership is just out to lunch on this issue. And like, and frankly, it's, it's not even just this issue. It's, it's, it's road safety in general. And like, Alex alluded to this, but to be specific, like we have not, it's been five years. So, so in the last five years, since January, 2017, uh, we have had a, a confirmed administrator of NHTSA, which is the main auto safety regulator, for three months. And that person just quit after three months or just announced that they're resigning after three months to, to go back to the California Air Resources Board. And the motherfucking Secretary of Transportation thanked him for his leadership and commitment. And like, I'm sorry, but everybody who cares about road safety, and by by that I mean like actually cares about it and doesn't just use it as a way to sell some technology or some dream or whatever, like actually cares about road technology, should take that as an insult. Not not it's it's not this guy's fault for only being there for three months. He clearly is much more interested in his work at CARB. That's fine. Okay. What's the problem is the political system that treats this issue as so unimportant that it puts whatever fucking hack in there, you know, that they go and then and then leave for th- after three months. And again, this is five years, three three months. We've had an administrator over five years. When by the way, road deaths have been going up. Okay, it'd be one thing if we were continuing our multi-decade progress on road safety that had been that had been happening through the 70s, 80s, and like since NHTSA was created. Right. But that's stopped. In the last five years, road deaths have gone up. In that time, the political system cannot take this seriously. We don't have leaders who understand the issues. And frankly, I have to say, like I do think part of this problem is that a lot of politicians have been told or or come have come to believe that like like fully autonomous technology is just going to be done soon and it's just going to solve all these problems for us and so they don't have to think about it. And like, not only do we have to leave that total misconception behind, but we have to really get serious about the issues that happen between now and the point where real autonomous technology starts to bite into these numbers, which will happen eventually. But in the meantime, we have a whole new set of issues around the human automation interaction piece of it and the safety issues around that. And like, NHTSA needs to be up on those issues three years ago, five years ago, and and they're not even close. And and frankly, someone needs to step up because this is it's like people who, who are doing the work out there in the grassroots are just gonna stop if no one at the political level cares enough to even put someone in charge of the of the issue for a significant amount of time. Like what's the point of, of fighting these fights if if there's no cavalry? Right. So two points on that. One is um to note that road deaths have been going up even as there's more advanced driver assistance technology in vehicles. So that's very important to understand. It's not as if, you know, if on paper, you know, not considering all the very important factors of like how people get involved um, and interact with their vehicles, but on paper, 
you should see road deaths going down as a result. But of course, we know that it's much more complicated than that because how systems are designed, are people getting more complacent? These are things that need to be answered and addressed. And really, someone in that position over at NHTSA, that's what they should be doing. The other thing is, is that you kind of hit on is that this idea within the agency, but actually I would cast it much broader and put it all all across like sort of the Tesla fanboy um, areas and others of kind of like pshawing or like, it's no big deal. Some of this stuff like, okay, everyone like, don't get your panties in a bunch. Like you're freaking out about nothing. Let's all relax there. that, That kind of gaslighting keeps happening. And so what's, what ends up happening as a result is that people start thinking, oh, it's not that big of a deal. Okay. Like I want to be cool. I don't know like what is happening in people's minds, but as a result, it's like uncool to be interested in safety and basic things that really are like tenants of uh, just basic civilization, which is like not purposely doing things that are going to like kill people. That is an uncool stance now. Like we have actually like gaslit ourselves into like being like, that's not cool. But what's really cool is me being able to test this thing on the road and have my kid walk out in front of it as a demo. Like that's actually what is happening as a result because we don't have like leadership at the federal level, but also even within the industry, people like spelling it out and doing it in a way that like just the mainstream people and media, I should say, get it, understand it. And it's like, yeah, that's cool. That's right and wrong. There is no gray. Uh, You know, on the same topic, in recent years, we, this show, have sometimes been called pedantic and repetitive for harping on clarity of language between assistance and autonomy. Uh, And, you know, a few days ago, there was this crash in Germany where uh, a BMW struck another vehicle and, and other vehicles were involved. Someone was killed. Many people were injured. And it was immediately, uh, the first, the initial media report said autonomous BMW in crash. As it turned out, it, it had at most uh, ADAS. But the reason for the initial confusion was a sticker on the back of the BMW, which said uh, like autonomous test vehicle, <laughs> because somebody at BMW, who, whoever made up the stickers or marketing, whoever, who knows, somebody decided to refer to the assistance technology on board as autonomous and put a sticker in the back of the car with a QR code leading to a page about a BMW autonomous driving, which is on that page, just ADAS. It's stuff like that, that sets off like a, a cascade of misinformation and, and confusion. And it all just bleeds together in, and it doesn't benefit the public. This, the, so I'm not, I'm going to say we should, I think we should quadruple down on the clarity of language argument. I'm done. I, yeah. And when the California DMV thing's coming up, yeah, I, I agree. But I, yeah. So just, I wanted to, um, do you remember when we had BMW board member on our show years ago? And he actually like just started making up like different terms for uh, autonomous vehicle technology. Do you, So this doesn't surprise me, by the way, that BMW is doing this. And I should mention that um, they they withdrew their permit for testing AVs in the California DMV. Um, just a little side note. I noticed that happening the BMW other week. Did. So like, what? BMW did? Yes. So, and, and I asked DMV and they said that they were just, that they withdrew. It wasn't like it was, you know, pulled or anything like that. But from the DMV, it was like BMW made that decision. So to me, when I see major automakers continuing like this isn't just a tesla issue it's just a tesla has the loudest most visible screaming in your face um you know issue but other automakers are making the same pro- making the same mistakes bmw being one of them and this is a systemic problem that they have been like having a hard time around language for years now and they've not corrected it and by doing nothing about it the regulators encourage right like as long as tesla gets away with this um, and by this, I mean that like every aspect of it, like the the naming stuff, the the scamming, you know, with full self driving thing, like all of it, it just incentivizes other people to do it, and that's where it really gets problematic. But also, I, I would just say, like, 
the regulators need to think hard about what they're afraid of about acting. It's always going to be easier in this country anyway to never not do anything about anything until it's too late. And then, you know, you resign and your and your and your you know successor has to go to the congressional hearing and get chewed out by Congress or whatever, and it's nobody's fault. And, and so it all just keeps happening. But like the 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 two reasons that you could be you know, you can be scared is, is like, A, the argument that like the safety benefits outweigh the, the risks. And we know that's, we, we know that there's no proof of any safety benefits. So you can throw that right out, right? We know that there are risks. We don't know that there are benefits. Throw away any, any sort of utilitarian argument there, which is BS anyway. Also, the argument that like is the dumbest thing that you had that like hundreds or thousands of people have to die before the regulators can or should do something about this. Like, no, that's not how regulation works. There's no, you know, you don't get a freebie on the first hundred deaths or whatever, or the first 20 deaths or whatever. If it's an unreasonable risk to public safety, it doesn't have to kill anybody. It can still be an unreasonable risk to public safety. But the most important one, because I think this is the one the politicians get hung up on, is the stifling innovation thing. Right. And I think right. that that's bullshit as well. And, and I think it's really important to point out that the company that came to closest to Tesla in terms of really cutting corners on on safety practices in road testing and even they didn't go as far as as tesla did but but came closest was uber and not only did they kill someone but they got I, like what is the benefit that uber supposedly got out of cutting these corners they didn't get one and so the whole idea that cutting corners and allowing companies to cut corners on safety somehow accelerates innovation again these are experiments that we've been running and we have data points that help answer whether or not these are like valid theses and, and like, they're not, it's not. And so let's stop allowing people to do unsafe things in the just like hope that maybe there's some like undefined, unevidenced benefit out there to innovation. Like it, it, we're fooling ourselves and, and we're endangering people. And that's the exact opposite reason why we should be developing this technology. And I love how ranty this episode has been in. We have not just <laughs> yeah. ranted in a so while cathartic? and it feels good. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Well, we have to go. I, I will say this. Yeah. Well, I will say this. Um, I do think that you touched on something, which is the stifling of innovation thing, which is, it is a real thing. I mean, I, I, I do believe in regulation, but I do also believe in effective regulation and there can be overreach. And so I definitely am like, put myself in the moderate category, but I think that um, politically in our country, there is definitely a push and pull like more towards, let's say, the libertarian mindset of, um, you know, this will all shake out in the marketplace. And that I've seen being applied more and more towards technology and ADAS and in particular Tesla. If you, if you follow some of the language and flexing that's happening on Twitter, it feels very um, libertarian slash Ayn Randian. And as a result, that's sort of the position. And anything that goes out anywhere near that um, will crush innovation. And my counter argument to that is, yeah, but like a string of lawsuits and like a bunch of messy fatalities also stifles innovation because you're spending all of your time doing that. And so... It, in a perfect world, every company would be like incredibly responsible and self-regulate, but that we don't see that. And so what ends up happening is that innovation gets stifled as a result of some bad actors who push the boundaries. And then they waste a lot of time once regulators finally get around to, you know, acting on it. You're and so it's right. like, can we just, can we just stop like the vicious like cycle? Like we've been down this road before in our history. So like, how about let's try something new? The regulation that stifles innovation is the regulation that gets developed after big publicity grabbing, ugly incidents. And so if you wait for that to happen, like you, we're going to get regulation either way. You either do it proactively and, 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 and develop it cooperatively in an atmosphere that's not supercharged, or you wait until, you know, a celebrity's kids die, uh, because a Tesla FSD beta crashes into them or whatever and, and, and they die screaming in a fire. And then you regulate in that environment. Like that's the choice, and the fact that 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 you know hardly anyone sees it that way is is frustrating. Um, but yeah, um, we're out of time, and um, I feel like we need to like every couple months at least just make sure we just do like a really angry ranty episode because like there's a lot to get angry at out there right now. I think <laughs> at least there's for me. 
<laughs> it okay. feels good to let yeah. it out. <laughs> okay. Well, good. I'm glad that this was your therapy session. Alex, you want to take us home? Any last words? Oh, okay. I deep sigh. I'm getting, I'm getting a new car. Kirsten, I have a question. Okay. How do you feel about if I get, if I get a new Tesla, <laughs> how do you feel? Uh, how do you feel about me leaving it at your house potentially for weeks at a time? Well, that's fine because you've done that on two other occasions, but I will just offer this. There are more options now, all at the same price point. <laughs> now, granted, it can be difficult. It can be How- difficult to get these vehicles because they're in short supply. Um, is your only reason for getting the Tesla because you're so used to it and you just know how it functions and so you know what to expect? And Or is it the EV char- supercharging network? Give me, give me your big reason as what, to what why. What is it that outweighs all of the stuff that that you, that you are like passionately ranting about? What outweighs that? So, what uh, thing you want to keep giving this company it's, money? It's the de- it's the devil he knows instead of the devil he doesn't, right? Uh, you know, I've driven a lot of EVs, a lot of great EVs out there. I drive long distance a lot, and charging network uptime and speed matters for me it's probably number one for ev buying criteria fair fair totally fair that's fair and i will say this i was just uh i spent um about nine days um had um a rivian r1t truck for about nine days and um i will say that like on the user interface piece tesla and rivian have it down. I'm not talking about ADAS. I'm just talking about communication in terms of like how you access things. There's a couple things that I would change, but overall compared to getting into any other EV in terms of communicating where chargers are, like I was in the Ford F-150 Lightning and on the map, it showed where every gas station was. Like that's maybe it's okay. I want to go get like a slushy. Great. But like maybe also show the EV chargers. You, there's a way to do that, but you have to go deep into a menu that is, by the way, unsafe. You're not going to do that while you're driving. So there's like definitely some improvements to be made. And so I get why Tesla might be still calling you, but I would just encourage you to consider others. Not, not support a company you make with, not give your money to companies <laughs> that are like completely <laughs> fucking up the space that you're like really, really passionate about. And, and yet as a product... The best products always have rumors for improvement, and uh, Tesla has room for improvement. What do our words mean? Like if 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 our actions don't align with them, Alex. So let's talk about my actions. I as I work for an autonomous uh, driving technology developer that may or may not be called Argo AI. I spend a lot of time in test vehicles and riding in our vehicles, and I've ridden competing vehicles. I think I'm, I'm comfortable with my understanding of the limitations of driver assistance systems and also what they do well. And so having had now coming up on four years of Tesla ownership, I feel comfortable not using autopilot or FSD beta in situations where it would be, I think, unsafe. And I also transport my daughter, my three and a half year old daughter in it. I I know when I should and should not use these systems. I also know from experience that the divine angel um mom of my divine angel baby has asked me at times not to use Tesla autopilot in car. Interestingly, because it's can be uncomfortable. And so mm. I, my criteria and judgment for all these things I think is better than average. Uh, and so I, I okay. am not unconcerned. So, okay. Well, I, I mean, I'll say a lot of people, a lot of people in the AV space will privately talk about how Tesla is literally the worst you know, Musk and Tesla are the worst actors and have the, the most malign influence on their industry than anybody else, literally anybody else. And yet they buy the car and they pay for the FSD uh, and and like they don't see the the contradiction there. But they also won't. And again, I knocked I, I, I knocked Dan O'Dowd a bunch here, but he put his money where his mouth is. He may not have done a great job, but he puts his money where his mouth is. And frankly, like for people who do work in the industry to say that Tesla is the most malign influence and, and the greatest risk that this whole, not just their company, but the whole technology faces, but then to not just give them money for a car, which I can kind of understand, but give them money for the full self-driving beta as well. 
uh, I, I'm sorry. Like, and but but then also not put any mo- of their own money into like spreading awareness about like the dangers that that they will talk about in private. Like, I'm sorry. Like, people in the industry, I'm not picking on you here, Alex. You're my friend. I love you. Uh, and these are just my feelings. I may be wrong about this, but I do think that my friends in the industry who, if, if you really care about this stuff, at some point you do have to put your money where your mouth is. And again, so, in fact, no one has put their money where their mouth is more than I, because when I was a journalist and I observed other quote unquote journalists writing reviews of Teslas that they had not driven or owned, and this is six, five, six years ago, I'm like, I'm going to own one because I can't be writing about this, talking about it unless I have one because these, um, some of these Tesla stands are so pedantic and obsessive over often inconsequential details, um, which I find also among gun owners and also among hobbyists of, in almost any vertical. Uh, it, it, that the best way to have a reasonable, informed discussion or debate around anything is to become as intimately familiar with it as the opposing side. You're absolutely and right, Alex. Was, and that totally so, and justifies I, it. Yeah. For one, how many? This is your fourth. Yeah, yeah. This is your fourth Tesla. Do I have that accurately? Okay. Well, I you want know, to make sure I have my facts oh, right. There, but not all at the same time. Well, I think that you are to be clear, okay. I the systems they've developed are developing. They're they're still evolving. And I want to make sure that with every software update, I know exactly how it works. So I can okay. retain my title as as um, actual expert, I and not see. like so, I, I pretended to be. So, so I see you're doing the Lord's work. Okay, we got to let Kirsten go. This has been so much fun, you guys. I've really this is I've I, this has been a lot of fun. Well, I can't wait to see what um, variant of the Tesla, if it's going to be the three or the Y, and what color will be sitting in my driveway. Keep us posted. Um, And thank you to our listeners for listening to another episode of the Atomicast. 